Today, we have with us Jishnu Bhattacharji from Nexus Venture Partners. Uh, Jishnu, welcome to the show. Nexus has been a good friend of our uh, work for a long time. I, uh, I have known Narin Gupta, founder of uh, Nexus, for at least a decade, if not more. And, uh, and you know, I'm quite good friends with him, and we love the work that Nexus does, and, and I believe you respect our work as well. So uh, let's, uh, let's introduce you to our audience. Um, Jishnu, let's start by um, catching up a bit on where you are right now with Nexus, what is the fund size, current fund size, and what are you focusing on? Um, just to give a quick summary of what Nexus is right now in 2000, end of 2019, going into 2020. Yeah, totally. Uh, thanks, Ramana. Uh, great to be here. So Nexus Venture Partners, uh, we are now in our 13th year. Um, uh, the first investment, uh, the fund started in 2006, December. And so right now, fast forward 13 years, we are managing $1.4 billion. We are investing from our fifth fund, which is $360 million odd, which we raised last year. And it's one fund and one team across two geographies, US and India. And we have offices in Silicon Valley, Mumbai, and Bangalore. And uh, we invest uh, across sectors, um, both in consumers as well as enterprises. And what we want to, when the, we want to be the first institutional check in a company and uh, then be with the company to the lifetime. Uh, that's the thinking across five funds so far, we have done about 90 companies, so relatively concentrated portfolio. And uh, when we start working with the entrepreneurs, uh, we, are, we want to be their thought partners in building the company uh, through, their, through their startup journey. And Jishnu, from what I understand, you do both India-facing B2C as well as global B2B. Is that a good summary, or am I missing something in that uh, synthesis? It's actually, no, it's a very good summary. I would add some colors. So if I look back, uh, it's a global fund. It's one fund across, across uh, the geographies. Now, if I look back, our companies, uh, I would say one third of the companies are addressing in India for India opportunities, and those happen to be mostly consumption, Indian domestic consumption, Indian um, you know business services, and those kind of things. And the two third of companies of the companies are all technology, mostly software, uh, either starting out of United States or out of uh, India. Now, of course, in, there are also like a couple of companies. Uh, we have started in uh, Canada, and there was there are a couple of companies in Europe like that. Uh, but they are all the two third of our companies are all B two B SaaS, um, you know, uh, yeah, across across verticals. Okay, and double click down on both of the sectors, and and give me a bit of your thoughts on. What is your current analysis? And, and if you could also set that in perspective, historically, what was your 
uh, investment thesis and how has that investment thesis evolved vis-a-vis -vis India facing B2C and vis-a-vis -vis global SaaS B2B? Yeah, so, you know, one thing when at the onset of the, of the firm, uh, first investment happened in January 2007. I joined uh, Naren and Sandeep uh, in uh, July 2008. And from day one, we have been focused on, um, I would say, one core team, which is basically one fund and one team across two geographies. And, and you know, a little bit of background is, uh, if you if you look at how opportunities have been evolving globally and as it relates to India and Southeast Asia, you know India and Southeast Asia is a region which is a hybrid of China and Israel. Why we say that is that China most of the uh, opportunities are domestic. Uh, that's yeah. where most value creation happens. Israel almost everything is focused international. Okay. Eight point four million people yeah. country. And India is a nice blend of the two. There are a lot of domestic opportunities across education, healthcare, finance, and you name it, a lot of kind of verticals. But there are there is a fantastic tech technology talent, and now we are also seeing you know a lot of operations actually can be done out of India where you can serve mm -hmm. uh, the market globally, uh, and that is increasing. I mean, previously it used to be IT services, but now a lot of product companies out of India addressing global market you get to find who are globally competitive. So with that vision, we started and uh, we wanted to leverage our understanding and, and of technology, understanding of global technology and presence in Silicon Valley. And oh, progressively, if I, if I look back now about like, you know, one third, about 33% uh, of our companies are originating from United States. I think mm -hmm. I think that number has increased a, a bit over time, and all these companies are like you know software companies addressing global markets. Now the way it is happening is that we are a product first and people first part. By that, what I mean is that you know we invest in entrepreneurs more than ideas with product thinking. Not necessarily they need to have product on day one but mm -hmm. everything should be led by product. It's product-led growth. You know, we want the companies to evolve to offering something which is self-serve, a self-serve product that can lead to self-serve go-to-market. And because of mm -hmm. that, you know, most of our companies uh, which are, you know, offering product, they are being used uh, globally uh, without they needing to, you know, manage a sales force or, things like that. So that's how I would say the evolution has happened. Of course, it has gone more towards technology uh, and and more towards like, you know, how do you build something which is simple, easy to use and just works. So, you know. So um, one question um, on self-serve go-to-market, um, you know, when I think about Nexus, one company comes to mind immediately, which is one of the biggest and the oldest success story out of India is Dhruva, and, and the company is maturing very well. I've known Jashpit very well for a long time. He touches base with me very regularly, so I, I know what's happening there. Um, now, I wouldn't call that exactly a self-serve go-to-market. That's an enterprise product. Is, is that an accurate observation? What, how do you parse that uh, comment? 
so very 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 well put yeah exactly like you know not all companies will follow that but i will tell you like you know we invested in druva in 2011 and at that time druva was a small company out of pune with uh, yeah. less than very little like you know few 100k bookings but the interesting part was at that time his product was being used in 26 countries and none mm-hmm. of those buyers none of those customers he has talked to in person or even on the phone so they Fair. were using the product and swiping the credit card so you know they, he had that dna of building a product mm-hmm. that people can get started with so at least the product is self serve now as the company evolved it turned out that you know there are bigger deals happening and bigger enterprises are showing interest and that's when we decided that you know we need to amplify the yeah. uh, market outreach and effort and that's when we started setting up Fair our enough. our sales organization it's actually incredibly convenient if you have a groundswell inside of an enterprise with exactly. people already downloading products from the your products from the internet and and starting to use then you can upsell that into a large enterprise deal very much more effectively very good exactly exactly yeah so um just now why don't we talk about some of the investments that you particularly yeah. um that are particularly representative of how you are thinking and and you know the big achievements um do it for both b2c and b2b and let's understand and and try to give the audience a flavor of how these people came to you what did you see in them when you first invested in them and what was it about them that really caught your attention um, so let's do a few case studies okay so maybe you know i uh, i can talk about two companies on both sides and i will i will give a give good colors i mean i will not i mean given that you know you are very familiar with druva druva is also a fantastic case study but for now i will select two other companies uh, if, sure. you know so um so one company is you know a company i am on the board of is called is called postman yeah. um and uh, uh, it's a very interesting uh, let me tell you the present state of the company the company started in 2014 so i will go back to the to the history uh present state of the company the company is i would say the de facto standard for all things api uh, application yeah. programming interface and uh, at this point about 10 million developers out of the total population of 32 million in the world are mm-hmm. using the product uh, it has it has like you know it has taken off uh, like you know fantastically it's kind of like i would say after github i haven't seen anything like this and and uh, the idea really is that you know in today's enterprise application development stack uh, the starting point today is often the api and not the code base because the the codes and services are somewhere there the way applications are being written today is more getting together those uh, modules mm-hmm. and microservices and gluing them with api so yeah that, that uh, is you know where things are you know the company has scaled really well so let me let me uh, walk through the journey a bit and also how we connected and how we got started working with them so yeah. in right. 2014 uh, this was one gentleman abhinav astana 
I think at that time he was 26 year old, uh, someone in Bangalore, just one single person. And he has, uh, you know, he, he was trying to do a company and he was also working in another company. Uh, but before he tried to do any company, he, want, he was solving a problem for himself. So which was like, you know, he was dealing with a lot of APIs and at, as a young engineer, he was needing to test a lot of APIs because if I'm using somebody else's API and if that doesn't work, then my code will not work even though I might not have done any mistake. So mm -hmm. testing of API is a core uh, problem to solve. So he solved it for him. And then it was a very simple product. He released it as open source. And it turned mm -hmm. out that to his surprise, you know, a lot of uh, uh, people are starting to use the product. So if, exactly. So he, it was like, you know, he was the representative uh, of many people who are facing the same problem and they were using the product. So what happened is that one of our other companies, uh, the co-founder of that company told my colleague in Bangalore that, hey, you know, I I have to tell you that this has been a life changer for me. It's one of these most simple products I'm using. I don't know who is this person, uh, but this is helping me. And you have to find him. So then, you know, we didn't waste any time. We found him somehow. And he was just one person. It was not even a company. And he has this project. So we said that, you know, hey, Avinav, you know, it's, it's fantastic what is going on here. We strongly urge you that you start a formal company. So we gave him a million dollars and helped him kind of incorporate the company. And then, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of other people whom he was collaborating, they joined him and it's a three people team. They started working from our office in Bangalore and it got going. And from the day one, actually, like, you know, the product was, so when we funded, it was probably like, you know, about uh, 80,000 to 100,000 people uh, across the world using the product. Um, like, you know, I mean, of course, you know, let alone Salesforce, I mean, nothing, I mean, he just released the product in a, in a GitHub repository, and that's it. And um, and people started picking up, and then you know he had uh, uh, so so basically no no as such like you know no big vision and all. I mean his inspiration was the world is being driven by API, and that movement will only continue. But there wasn't really any uh, you know any big vision or top down approach of company building, so to say, at that moment. And we saw the inspiration, we started going. So from 2014, and no talk about monetization or anything. The idea was, you know, can you build something that people love and people use it daily? Uh, so then, you know, since then, and we saw that, you know, the, the um, kind of interest is coming from all over the world. So we knew that Abhinav will have to uh, be based out of San Francisco to create the thought leadership and all that. There was a lot of, of course, you know, like like probably most of the technology companies, the biggest user base, uh, even at that time, was from US. So mm -hmm. we invested, and in 2015, actually 2016, uh, he came to US, uh, and the mm -hmm. company, you know, got incorporated in US. And uh, that's when we we said that you know the company would need some more money because we are setting up the business team. And, uh, you know, we gave him another six million. And, you know, it was- Is Abhinav the CEO or did you bring in a that's CEO? Correct. No, I mean, uh, uh, he's the CEO. He's the founder and CEO and he has two other co-founders. 
and you know that's when and then in 2017 i would say you know and and the and the adoption started you know went from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to cross million and in 2017 we started thinking of what we should do regarding monetization and i think you know 2018 was our first year of monetization this is a company i would say you know at this point you know growing tripling every year with cash added into the bank uh, we also ended mm -hmm. up taking a like you know uh, uh, unsolicited 50 million dollar series b but that money is sitting on the bank and we'll figure out like you know what we do um, with it but 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 you know that kind of exemplifies a few few core things that we look for of course you know it's a it's an absolute poster child and i'm not expecting all the other companies to follow exactly kind of you know that kind of trajectory but i would say first thing is you know the founder totally obsessed about the problem from day one like you know totally obsessed like problem is for problem first and the solution will come later but if somebody is not obsessed about the problem and that you know they have to solve it then they will never be able to come up with the right solution that i would say one core thing that we saw saw in this company and, and in and this the company other, uh, yeah. kisha i have one question which is um, yeah, yeah. obviously um, new soft right what um, what was your analysis of what's happening at Newsoft and, and the trajectory of Newsoft when you went down this path? Exactly. Okay. So very, very, very good question. Very relevant question. So, so if you look at like you know what Newsoft has really focused on is um, okay. So it starts from I would say Tipco journey. So Tipco had this enterprise service bus yeah. and they they mm -hmm. uh, popularized software oriented architecture SOA and the idea was there will be a message bus running and on which you will build enterprise applications which will talk to the message bus that was the architecture until web apps started coming in and then then api came in so mules of mm -hmm. history if you look at they were primarily at that time and open i would say you know pre-2010 was open source enterprise service bus and then as the movement started going to api they thought that they would need to build an integration platform where different applications will be brought in into their platform and then will be connected by APIs. Now, the difference, the core difference in observation that, that Abhinav had in Postman and MuleSoft is that MuleSoft was about there are existing applications, how do you tie them up? But Postman is about, suppose I'm starting writing an application today, how I'm going to do it when there are already APIs which are existing. So it's more of an API first approach rather than a mm -hmm. code and application first approach to build the build the service. So you know so it's, so it's complementary, but now a lot of things you can do in Postman for which actually you know, if you are using Postman from get-go, you will not need MuleSoft. So the way to put it is that if somebody has MuleSoft and they are doing it, Postman is absolutely 100% complementary. There are a lot of things you do in Postman which you can't even do in MuleSoft. But many people from bottom-up have this, as they started using Postman, on, there are very few things of MuleSoft you will ever you will, you will ever need. So, you know. Excellent. So this company I would love to feature in our Entrepreneur Journey series. Uh, Sounds like a, a an excellent case yeah, study. Yeah, Vinod will be, and he is in San Francisco. He'll be he'll be very very happy to talk to you. Yeah, I'll be happy to make an introduction. Sounds good. Uh, 
Yeah, so that's B2B. Now let me talk about a B2C company. Uh, that's in India, uh, actually, but you know it has it has grown like uh, which is called uh, Unacademy. Um, so um, the journey started uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago, I think 2016, uh, for us. Uh, he started the company I think in 2015, uh, somewhat like that. And then um, actually 2017, if I'm not mistaken, like you know, it has it has grown uh, really really fast. So the so the principle was, and and you know, our our interest in the company started from the day we got to know the name of the company, an academy, because his thinking was, mm-hmm. you know, how teaching is being done, you know, in an academic oriented approach. There are a lot of things that can be done differently, especially in India, where access to education and great teachers and pedagogy is so difficult. So the idea mm-hmm. really is that you know somebody sitting wherever in nook and corner of the country who may not have the right coaching center or the right uh, professor or right teacher, you know, can you give them a platform that they can learn? So it is more more uh, you know for like here there has been companies like Udemy where like you know people will come in and, and teach courses. The idea was how do you do it in a mobile only world, which is India, where and if I am an educator and if I know that you know I have something to offer. How do I create content on the platform and then start teaching students on the same platform? So the way it started is that, you know, he opened up and built a product where without any help, any educator who doesn't know technology can build the content on the, on the mobile phone. So either you start from some, you know, if you have some uh, slides, or you start from scratch. So it was a con- it was a platform for the educators, and then once you have it, you publish it on the Unacademy portal, and from there students were consuming. This is this was initially it was totally asynchronous. So you have your uh, I'm a teacher. I publish my content, and then students uh, start picking it up. Uh, right, you know, and they it was free, totally free. You know when it started. And since then, you know, the, and the, the, there are two core principles. One is the educator can build the content very easily. And the second is the content was very bite-sized. So the idea was you will talk about a topic, but it cannot be more than five minutes. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing took off. Like, you know, they started doing it, you know, now fast forward, like two, three years, they are serving 10 million students across the country. Uh, which is unheard of for like, you know, I mean, in India, if you look at, there are a lot of coaching centers and that's where the aggregation happen. People go and spend time there and it's a big investment and only few can, few can afford. So that has been totally democratized. And then mm-hmm. what he did was like, you know, through that as suppose I'm a teacher and I release some of the content and students start using, then based on the reception by the students, my, there is a rating for me on you know how I am doing on the platform, and then sure. Unacademy organizes live classes for me, for the mm-hmm. interested students who really want to interact and and go deeper. So now there are like you know lot of concurrent and those are paid. So there are a lot of mm-hmm. concurrent live sessions happening. Each class might be attended by 200, 300 students across the country, where people do different stuffs. Like you know at this point. The classes are happening mostly for test preparations. I mean, you know, it's a it's a yeah. huge huge market in India uh, for all yeah. kinds of tests, um, um, like you know, uh, government organizations, government exams, uh, IITs, and many of these uh, you know tests. So, so 
yeah, and and you know, I mean, we are of course, you know, still scratching the surface, but the company has taken off like a wildfire. Now, there also the thesis, like two things that resonated with us. One was, you know, really product led. You know, he hardly spent any money when he started, and even today, actually, you know, the marketing has been very, very minimal. I mean, there is some okay, marketing doing. Yeah, correct, exactly, exactly. And the second is, you know. The the entrepreneur is very very kind of like you know very out of the box thinker and he started from his from naming his company an academy, and then like you know just thinking through not you know questioning the status quo his his co-founder was actually uh, a topper in UPSC exam like you know the IS exam Indian Civil Service exam, uh, and you know he and he was also a doctor uh, before he was topper you know he was. Uh, uh, Ames is a medical doctor from Ames, India's premier medical institute. He oh. gave up. So all of them are kind of like, you know, very, very different thinkers. Like, you know, he, he mm. did that. He came out. He topped dais, but didn't join to take a job, started a company. Uh, and, you know, very product obsessed, really, you know, problem focused uh, entrepreneurs. So, yeah, you know, I mean, um, yeah. So one question. Um, you mentioned that for Postman, there is a $50 million round that you raised that is sitting in the bank. What is the thinking behind taking such a round? Why, why do you take money when you don't need money? So, yeah, very good question. And honestly, you know, in this case, it also happened that, you know, we, we didn't plan for a raise. But, of course, you know, people noticed and they they structured it and made an offer which was very difficult to say no to so it started the thinking started from there now to get to your question why uh, i think few reasons first of all like you know as we were we are going up the stack like you know there are today uh, now you know many of these enterprise accounts are coming up for example microsoft alone has 2000 users of the product and mm -hmm. as we are building out we thought that you know Having having some cushion in the bank that will help us a experiment maybe even more fast even even faster and b there might be certain kind of parallelization effort of product development that we might do uh, and I even see. kind of like you know looking at what all auxiliary things might be there that can so I think from that that uh, vision it has been done not necessarily that like till now I will tell you like you know the company is growing really fast but there is no not a single salesperson in the company. It is all driven by there is business team, there is marketing, and there is customer success, but there is mm -hmm. no sense. So we want to continue that journey of go to market, but invest heavily in I would say you know product development and also a lot of kind of product led growth as we say. So everything is data driven. Uh, this you know 10 million users, but out of which you know how do you kind of uh, put this into pipeline? How do you nurture things and how do you grow the business? So we want to kind of stay in that path but be on the on the journey um, and and see like you know be be open about be opportunistic but no pressure to use the capital uh, it's a very important question uh, Swamina, and, and you know best like i would say one of the one of the models that we are following in the company in a way is atlassian like i mean they also raised a lot of money but for last uh, you know they created 30 40 billion dollar of value in a span of 20 years and for last first ten years, they didn't take any money. Um, Atlassian is a wonderful company. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Exactly. You know. company. And 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 they have showed something that is, you know, just like you know Zoho so showed something that was believed to not be possible. Atlassian has showed something that was believed not to be possible. And these are all superb case studies of 
how to build companies with product focus and, and uh, adoption focus as opposed to, you know, funneling a lot of money into sales. So how much of the portfolio, the Nexus portfolio today fits into this model? Because I, I remember Sandeep also talked about the kind of like open source, commercial open source model as being one of the preferred models of Nexus. How much have you been able to find? Are there lots of companies that are following this, that are coming to you? Are you able to find lots of companies? Or are they all getting swayed by the unicorn chasing with huge amounts of capital? I mean, honestly, you know, that is that is very much there. And it's more of a, for us, like kind of like, you know, working with the entrepreneur's mindset and making sure that, you know, you know, so there are two vectors to it. Uh, okay, so your first question, quite a few of our companies are like that. Maybe, you know, one third of our companies are all product-led. Um, mm -hmm. And many of them open source, many of them kind of, I would say, uh, you know, if not open source, but something that's a self-serve kind of viral adoption-based based, uh, companies. So we love those. Uh, the important part is that, you know, I mean, in today's DNA, of course, money is abundant. And if somebody is doing well, it's not difficult yeah. to raise money. Finds the way to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, there is a lot of peer effect also. Like, you know, okay, I'm a great entrepreneur and I'm seeing my friend, you know, they raise a lot of money. I'm also doing well. But what we try to make sure, and we are very, very bottom up, like, you know, as, if, you know, as, as you have known, Narin, and, you know, the DNA kind of comes from there, very bottom up focus, like fundamentals driven company builders. So we mm -hmm. want to emphasize that point very much as, as a thought partner to the, to the entrepreneurs that, you know, focus on your fundamentals, you know, product, uh, go to market, and then as you would scale up and, you know, money funding events are events along the journey. And yeah, these are important and we have to use it, but not like, you know, you raise 50 million and start living in glass houses tomorrow, you know? So, yeah. so that, yeah, but it is, it is difficult, honestly. And sometimes like, you know, there are later stage investors who are coming in, they have different expectations. They put a lot of money and, and you know, aligning. I think alignment of the board is a key role we are needing to play today. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, so um, and yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. So we'll uh, you know we'll we'll chat offline and and figure out which of your companies we should uh, feature yep. in yeah, the Entrepreneur sure. Journey series and and we'll also get together uh, once we are both back in town. Thank Perfect. you, Dishu. It was a pleasure chatting, and I'm sure people in the audience found it very valuable. You're stating a philosophy that is very much our philosophy of company building, which is bottom-up, fundamental-driven, capital-efficient, you know, not gratuitously spending money uh, without figuring out how you're going to make money and how you're going to build a business. So thank you for that, and uh, we will be in touch. Yeah, no, totally. And... Uh... Thank, thanks to all of you for uh, listening to me for the last few minutes. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, great, great to be here. And thanks again, Samana, for having me in your, in your uh, event.